one season to bathtub Ohio bathtub season to best friends no clothing confusing bathtub season it's bathtub season it's bathtub season it's bathtub season Hey, Austin. Hey, Corey. How's it going? Wet. Same. <laughs> hot. <laughs> but not because of the water this time. It's just really hot in our house. Just, uh... I'm already sweating. Just feeling steamy. Yes. That's how it's been at work for me, so I get it. Oh, my gosh. I'm a stinky boy over here in Dayton. I feel that. I'm a stinky boy in Cleveland. Uh, are you drinking anything fun tonight? I have a Pinot Grigio I'm finishing. Ooh, fancy. How about you? I feel like the tick would approve. I don't know why, but I think he would approve of a fancy wine night for this. Um, I am drinking a Guinness. Nice. Specifically the Guinness Zero. Like I said last episode, I'm still still in a for a few months just as, a, as the, our little baby is an infant and I don't get much sleep, and I don't know how I'd function if I had alcohol with that, too. <laughs> that's that's totally fair. I, uh, I I am not sober. I was at a bar last night, and I have a joint next to me. Nice. So, but also, do you have any sack soup seasoning tonight? Sack soup seasoning. soup. It's the wettest of foods. I am using a bubbling bath bomb from Mr. Bubble. I have a Fala Llama holiday scented bath fizz. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. And I shared a picture of it on the new bathtub season Twitter, which is now up and running. Oh, look at that. To anybody who, st who still uses that hell site. Um, it is at bathtub season. I got it. So if you guys want to follow it there, I'm going to try and post. I have kind of stopped using Twitter a whole bunch personally, but I'm going to try and do better with the bathtub season Twitter. And I will try to Twitter it all because I stayed the fuck off of that up until uh, I started a <laughs> podcast with you. Before we get into the episode, though, I told you the other day that I had a little surprise for this episode. You and did, that indeed. is I bought some stuff. I bought a huge stack of the Tick collector cards from Fox Kids from the 90s. I also purchased three different versions of the Tick uh, first issue comic book. <laughs> and I thought it'd be fun over the next few episodes to go through them. So I was curious, do you want to start with playing cards or one of the comic books and see what fun stuff is inside? Hmm. Let's so let's uh, let's go with the cards. That's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know why. This is a big stack of cards. I haven't posted a picture of that yet on the Twitter, but I'll I'll do that after this episode. Um, there's three separate sections to this huge bundle. I don't know what that means, but it looks like this is far from from the the TV cartoon. They're just screenshots. 
I've not looked at any of these yet. Okay. So the first one that comes up is the Tick Collector Cards number 48 called The Tick versus Arthur's Bank Account. <laughs> and on the <laughs> the picture is just the Tick smiling at Arthur and they have a spotlight like Batman, but it's a Tick with nine legs. So that's fun. Hmm. The next card I'm very interested in, it is just on the front of it is a picture of the Tick holding... Oh, shit. On Ed, Ed, and Eddie, what was the board's name that the one kid talked to? Uh, wasn't it just Plank? Plank. He's literally holding Plank. Um, <laughs> like, that's what it is. That's so strange. <laughs> and on the back, it is the tick, the little wooden boy in the belly of love. What? Um, <laughs> and there's a quote, and it says, You know the worst sin in the world is disloyalty. You wouldn't lie to me, would you, little wooden boy? That's really dark and ominous. <laughs> but that also feels unbelievably on brand for the tick, from what, from what I know at least. There's also on the back a picture of Arthur, but he has really big tits. What? I'm not joking. I'll post these after. And this is for Fox Kids. Maybe there's a girl moth in the show, and that's who it is? But I don't know. It, it's talking a little bit, too, about a bipedal whale named Blowhole and a super scientist named J.J. Eureka Vatos. Okay. Um, so that's two of the cards. <laughs> Let's go through these. The next one is the moon-shaped like Pac-Man. It just says, ha, on the front of it. That's not as interesting, but on the back, there's a picture of a man who has a chair for a head. A chair for a head. Yep. Uh, the next one is interesting, though. It is a picture of Arthur and the Tick, and they're both standing in the middle of the street, dumbfounded, armless like action figures, and their arms are on the ground. Um... The episode title, apparently, I think that's what these are, because it was episode 16. It says, Armless but not harmless in an attempt to garner the respect of their fellow criminals and win a coveted award at this year's annual enemy awards, the down-on-her-luck Venus and her adoring assistant Milo steal the Tick and Arthur's arms and their good names in one swift gesture when they attach these arms to a pair of hastily constructed robot duplicates of our heroes who commit high-profile crimes that make the city think the Tick and Arthur have gone bad. And the quote, because each one has a quote apparently, is remember yesterday, Arthur? I'd hand you something. You might hand me something back. Now look at us. <laughs> um, go through a couple more. The next one is the tick beating up three different Santa Clauses. Um, sure. The title of it is The Tick Loves Santa. And the quote is It's a Yule Tide. What? The name of this supervillain is Multiple Santa. Multiple Santa. Uh, <laughs> Um, Did you fuck my mom, Santa? Fuck my fucking mom? Did you fuck my mom, Santa? Yeah! Ooh, these are really weird. <laughs> oh, here's um, Captain Liberty. CL's on the back of this one. It's called Coach Fussell's Lament. That's the one with the beaks and the two faces. Apparently, they fought the brainchild in that one. This one I can only describe as the tick holding a bundle of roses, smiling, and Arthur is looking in at this surprise while the tick vomits up an entire tree. Sure, why not? Like, from the, the trunks coming out of his mouth. Uh, and of course, why, why wouldn't that be? Then we go back to kind of normal. We have the tick just holding up a couch um, on this one. Um, oh, the title is fitting, though. It's Evil Sits Down for a Moment. 
And the quote is, until I was 13, I was a coffee table. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, the villain they fought in this one is the Ottoman. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> some good wordplay there. That's fantastic. Uh, this one doesn't have any of the characters we know. There is a lady in a fiery one piece with her hand up like she's at a circus. And behind her is an enormous uh, dolphin in a pant. As in like, we have a pair of pants. He has a pant with like a button up that just goes down into a single hole. Sure. This one is the Tick versus Reno, Nevada. Um, and the quote is, you fools, money doesn't put fish on the table. Fish puts fish on the table. Yep. This one, he's holding a bald old man like a baby. It's called Devil in Diapers. And the quote is, as long as the tick thinks metal's a baby, he'll fight with the rage of 10 monsters. I don't understand what that means. Nope. I got <laughs> I need nothing. some context there. Looks like the tick got married in this one, and the officiant is wearing a crocodile costume underneath his tuxedo, and the woman is very mad at the tick. Okay. It's called The Tick versus Dot and Neil's Wedding. Uh, teach me another one of those Yiddish words, chum. I only found out recently we're Jewish. Um, so that's the thing. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, ooh, Arthur got buff in this one. Uh, he's like twice the height of the tick, and he looks really mad, and his muscles the size of the Hulk. Um, and it's called the Tick versus Arthur. Oh. The quote also, I feel like, needs some context. It is, Arthur, please, your brain is drowning in muscle. Give me the belt. So I would assume it involves a belt, but who knows? This one is interesting. He's in a fancy old manner, while what I can only describe as a tongue with lips stands next to a zebra and looks on at the tick holding a butler that has a mirror for it. Oh, it's the chair face. Uh, chair head. Yes, and it's the Tick versus Science is the name of that one. Um, oh, I was right. Uh, they fight Tongue Tongue in this one. So it was a tongue. Tongue Tongue. These are so interesting. I know. I want to see some of these in, in our show. It, um, the, the, it, it's, it's, it's funny, though. I, I am kind of glad that we, uh, that we picked the, the trading cards <laughs> because I, I feel like they're, this is dancing around some of the things that do happen or get introduced in this episode. Um, yeah. There's one more in this set out of three sets I have. I don't know if there's a difference between them, but they it came in three separate big packs. Uh, but this is the last one, and it is the Tick teaching a college course. Um, it's course number 405, so you want to be a superhero. Instructor is the Tick. And underneath that, it says good equals good and bad equals no good. And in attendance in the audience is three normal young men and a squirrel. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and because it's the last card, I'll just read. Uh, it's the tick versus education. And the quote is, it's up to you, the superheroes of the future, to hang the tire swing of nice, nice from the highest branches and swing for justice. Perfect. So that was the first of my three giant stacks of the tick collector cards. Ooh, do these have dates on them? Does this say when they were came out? 97. Produced by Comic and Images in Saddlebrook, New Jersey. I still, I, I just, I got questions about the belt. 
Yeah, and uh, Arthur's tits. And yeah, I, I, I hope they're related, but also for the sake of the kids, maybe not. Mm, I don't know if there's a good answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have Batman well, so... We do have Batman well. So we did see, I did see Captain Liberty in one of those, but I didn't see Batman well. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and like I said in episode one of this, those were not the sidekicks that they wanted to have in the show. Um, and that wasn't a bit. That was, that's true. And there was a weird licensing where Disney owned some of the light, the tick copyright through the Fox show, but not all of it, and they could only get Batman well and uh, CL. Proud addition to the Disney family and soon appearing on Disney Plus. I, for one, salute our new corporate overlords. It's, it's really interesting. I, I'd like to know more about that. I, I really should do a little bit of research on that because I, I am intrigued by, by that whole thing. That would involve work, though. It would, and I've not been doing a great amount of that. Look, Jerry, I don't know if you've noticed, but lately I've been drifting aimlessly. Now that you mention it. I, but I, so side note, everyone listening here doesn't, isn't aware of this, but uh, prior to starting recording, I was having some audio issues. And uh, during this, uh, the trading card portion, I, I realized the reason I couldn't hear myself, that was the problem going on. Um, it's because there's a short in my fucking Too headphone cable. Wait, what was it? There's a short in my headphone cable. Oh shit. That's not good next to a bathtub. It's outside of the bathtub. Though, to be fair, none of this is good next to bathtubs, so... It's fine. Pull Buddy's nerfed, right? Did you just have a stroke, Pam? I'll, I'll post a picture of what my setup looks like to the Twitter, and people can, can determine how dangerously I'm living. I did look it up, though. Phantom power cannot hurt you. If a mic phantom-powered falls into a body of water, it doesn't produce enough wattage, you would feel it, but you would not be injured. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger! Well, I'm more concerned about the mic than me, if that says anything. It, my, my, my setup's not terrible. Most of my electronics are outside of the tub. There is a microphone on a stand over the tub that does use phantom power. Um, and I do have an iPad and my cell phone on a you know, bathtub tray in front of me. But that's, that's really the only things over the water. Everything else is coming in from the outside. I have a tray that has my 15-inch MacBook, an interface, my microphone, and my phone sitting above the water. Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Hey, it's whatever. Live on the edge. I like to live dangerously. I think the tick would be proud. It would, it, it's, it's for justice. It is for justice. It's bathing for justice. <laughs> so do you want to get into season one, episode four, The License? of the 2001 TV show, The Tick? I think we should. So right off the bat, before we even talk about what's happening, the vibe of this opening scene is immediately different than any other episode. Like it looks like it's shot in like by a home video camera. It's shaky. There's like weird cuts. It's a little gritty in like a New York crime fighting kind of way. And I really dug it. It was so different and that's something I'm going to talk about a lot this episode is just the vibe of this episode compared to other ones. But that was something that it, I'd like, I was like, wait, did I put on the wrong show? I literally, the first time I watched through this, I thought I clicked the wrong thing because it just looked just the image itself looked so different than the previous three episodes. So I do, I, I do agree that the, uh, 
the the vibe of this episode felt a bit different. It actually, I felt like posed some problems for me when I was working on taking notes. I wasn't exactly sure how to take notes on certain parts compared to some of the past mm-hmm. episodes. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the, the vibe of the show felt a little differently. I don't know that I went as in-depth um, with you as determining like, oh, this feels more like this show or that show or whatever. But what I did notice about that opening scene is... Um, the ass. Well, yes, there's, so. Look at that ass. There. <laughs> okay, that, so I, I have trouble even knowing exactly how to address this scene. There's not, it's not that important. I mean, it, it is, it's set up, but like where it starts isn't that important. Basically, you kind of come into the scene and there's a lot of action like happening. The music and everything is like. Oh, it's definitely in media res. You know, like you said, sure. it's, 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 um. It's it's quicker, it's shakier, like there is this sort of this imminent danger, this like quick paced, you know, thing happening, which we did see a little bit of on the last episode with the whole like fight scene on the roof before Fiery Blaze came in. But but yeah, and his, it, and his friend Friendly Fire. And Friendly Fire, of course, of course, can't forget the sidekick. He would he would be so mad. He'd be pissed. What's your advice, Arthur? I quit. I took a stand. I said, you can kiss my ass, and I walked right out of there. But it, it, it felt like there was there was a lot of action. There was a lot going on in this, this very brief intro. Mm-hmm. And immediately, we find out that um, what we were initially seeing is a man stuck halfway a robot's ass. We don't know why, but a crew is working to get him out. And everything else in the situation is really kind of over. It's dying down. Like, whatever happened has already happened. There isn't this action mm-hmm. that they made you believe that there was. There may have been before, but it wasn't happening at that time. Yeah, it's the cleanup after the big fight. Right. So I, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting that they made it feel so intense for something we find out is over. Yeah, it's a really cool... Because like I don't think they had the budget to really show big fights or anything. So it's cool the workarounds they find, like this kind of in-media res scene. You, there's no context, and you figure out the context as the scene goes along. Right. Um, I did notice, though, that they say ass in this episode, and talking about this scene. So we're back to being an adult show. They started cursing again. So it's it's funny. I made a note about them cursing in this episode, too, but it didn't register to me that they said ass in this scene. It was a different scene. <laughs> I think I missed the other one, so we got both the, both the cusses. <laughs> I have, like, I literally have ass in my notes, and it came straight from the episode. I, I'm reading one of them out of dialogue, and, like, that just didn't even fucking register at all. I mean, you might have just been thinking about ass. It happens to me sometimes. It's, it happens. Um, it happens to everyone, I believe, from time to time. Look at that ass. Uh, but going back to the episode, I don't think the Tick's thinking of much of anything. And there's these two cops. One of them looks exactly like Louis C.K. And they walk over and ask the four superheroes, the Tick, Arthur, C.L., and Batman well, for their license and registration. Before they do that, they're actually they're talking about how hot Captain Liberty is. And one of them's kind of like, oh, watch this. I'm going to make a move on her kind of thing. And... He, he approaches the, the, the two officers approach the superheroes and before he asks for, you know, license and registration, he's kind of, you know, trying to play on to, you know, Captain Liberty and see if he can get anywhere. And he says, what do we got? And Captain Liberty responds, what do we got? 
we've got a man stuck up a robot's ass. What does it look like we've got? And that's <laughs> that's the point that, you know, it, it turns and he, he goes, okay, license and registration, like, you know, the drill kind of thing. But I, I feel like it's an interesting choice of opening line. Like, they've all been on the scene of this incident. The cops should definitely know the situation already. You know, I wasn't surprised, and I've alluded to it before, that I'm pretty sure the cops are only in this town to give out tickets for minor offenses. So I, I don't, I'm not surprised that they don't care about what happened here, or they're not aware. All they care about is the minor offense of who has a license. That's that, that tracks with what we've seen so far in this world. They just keep strengthening that point. They really do. Yes. And everyone hands over their license registration, except for, you guessed it, the tick. He doesn't have a license. And then we cut to the diner. <laughs> the tick, the tick does not. Oh, he gets a ticket. He gets a ticket. That's right. He does. He does get a ticket. Um, the tick gets a ticket. That's nothing. Um... Sorry, <laughs> I interrupted your thought uh, for that stupid joke. No, worth <laughs> it. It wasn't a joke. Worth it. Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and it's still going on. So, the, the- Austin, do something quick before this ruins the episode. <laughs> Save me from myself. So the the tick the tick gets a ticket, and then we are in the diner booth again with all four superheroes. The Tick is reading his ticket as Batman well informs the group that many well-known superheroes operate without a license. Including Colin Boy. And the amazing fork head, which goes fantastically with your chair head. Yeah, and uh, but the, the amazing fork head is a secret, though. You got to keep that on the DL that he doesn't have a license. Colin Boy apparently is out in the open with not having a license. He doesn't care. He's, He's just blasting ass no matter where, but... Yeah, yeah, no, no one wants to get near Colin Boy, so he's safe. Um, those cops don't want to go anywhere near near him. So then we get a great line from the tick. How then does yes. one procure this laminated rectangle of righteousness? Yes. And Arthur's just like, I'll take you to the DMV. Let's see his fill some forms. For though, there's something that, real quickly, that CL is asking if anyone knows how to get grease out of her costume, which is the this point seems like just an offhand statement. It, it does carry it. It does carry over from the first scene. Um, they they do yeah they they do set it up. Um, we didn't mention that when the cops or yeah when they first approach the superheroes in um, that opening scene, Captain Liberty is blotting at something on her suit. We don't know what it is, but this is the you know reveal of it essentially. I didn't make the connection that that had happened, and this whole scene in the diner. I was thinking, has her colors always been like that dark and like grim looking? Cause it's a good look. Like she should just leave it that way. Like her out, like it, it was like brown and grays and blacks and she, it looked tough. Like I was, I thought she shouldn't have got it clean, but we'll get to that. And then we get the title sequence. Uh, the flashing lights. Of course, with the tick wiping his mouth with the ticket to lead there. Yeah, after eating a salad, he was eating a salad. I wrote that down thinking there'd be some funny joke with the food. And there wasn't. So then we do get... Though there is later, though. There, There is. Food is a, th- a recurring thing in this episode. Y- you are correct. They do They do kind of, you know, come come in and out with these jokes a little bit that that's, don't necessarily tie together, but, you know, are are related. A theme. A theme. A nice... Yes. A, a mouche-bouche. I don't know if that's what that means of... 
<laughs> of food humor. Then we're we're at the the DMV and we are. We do. It doesn't look any different than any other normal DMV. It, if anything, it's it's just as boring. Yeah, it, it's really it's a it's a pretty normal DMV. It kind of reminds me of the Columbus DMV. But we not the one I went to. The well, the one that I went to with Jersey at one point. But there's an exterior sign here that we do. I, I'm glad we're getting at least a little bit of this comedy back into the show that simply says the city DMV. Yes. There's a little bit more poster humor in this one. There's Thelma. Yep. Thelma is the DMV agent. That's correct. It, it throws me off because in Ohio, to everyone listening outside of the state, you two people, I'm guessing there might be two people from Ohio listening and two outside the state. But we call it the BMV here, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. So it, 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 I might say things wrong in this episode when we are talking about the DMV, and that would be why. I just wanted to throw that out there. If they're like, well, did he say BMV? Yes, I did. I've never, but, I've, I've never understood that, and I've never called it the right thing. No, uh, but Thelma's there. She's not having any of this shit. Uh, she asked for the tick's legal name. His response, the tick. She grows frustrated, and she... She asked for his birthday. Um, actually, and before he, before she even asked for his birthday, she says, I don't, ha so th th I, I liked this line. I wanted to make a note of this line because it, it brought me back to um, the episode where, uh, what the fuck was it? The, um, the immortal died. Mm-hmm. Because that was. Go on. That was the one, right? Yeah, that where. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, what are you what are you referencing? <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, so remember the um yes, it is the immortal and Arthur's in the diner and he um that woman approaches him who's interested in him. Mhm. Mm and the the tick clearly has no understanding of time and how it works. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, and I don't I don't remember exactly what he said in that episode. It was, you know, something about all these hours that didn't really exist and 1795 hours left. Right. And he was like, pick one, little lady, or something like that. Well, we have sixteen hundred and ninety-six and a half hours, little lady. Pick one. <laughs> and in, in in this case, the same kind of thing. Thelma is frustrated and she's like, I don't have all day for this. And the tick is like He's either just doesn't grasp time or he's super willing to be helpful at every turn because he's like, <laughs> but I do, dear Thelma. You can have half of mine. We'll share. <laughs> I, I like to think it's a little of both, but more so on the positivity in this one. I just got that vibe from him. Absolutely. And she she then asks for his birthday and he's like, well, of course, I don't know my birthday who would be expected to know their birthday? And she's like, I know my birthday. Like, says her birthday. Which, and he's like... Which is... So, like, he has no idea. Which, and so, yeah, his... He he actually, he says, uh, oh, like you do. And that's when she yeah. says, 3-17-69. St. Patrick's Day in the year of our Lord, 1969. Oh, that's when the, the Lord's from. Okay. So the... They have a sidebar. Him and Arthur, the tick. Yep. Not Thelma. But I think the tick would like Thelma to be in the sidebar because he says that she's making eyes at Arthur. She really likes us. I saw her making eyes at you, chums. And goes on to say, Thelma and Arthur sitting in a tree. P-L-C-G-R-O-B. Tick. 
Which I wrote down because I, I, I had to turn the side, subtitles on to see if he was actually spelling anything. It was just nonsense letters. Yeah, same. Same, actually. I, I, I did the same thing. I was like, P-L-Z-G-O-R-V? What is this? <laughs> yeah, so then at that point, Arthur gets very serious with the tick, asking if he knows who he is and where he came from. And the tick responds, of course he does, and ends up repeating... He's the tick. Um, at that point, Thelma just stamps the application rejected and hands it to them. And this is an, one of the first of many moments in this episode where I don't understand Arthur because he's acting crazy surprised that the tick doesn't know any of this. He's been living with the tick for months now, I would assume. How does he not surprise that this is how this situation went? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I, I don't I don't disagree. I don't think that anything about the situation is is overly surprising uh, but i i think that arthur was maybe deluding himself that there was th there was That's true. there was that more here there was there was more to know and like he didn't know it but it wasn't being hidden from him so i, I think he had kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction to the information or lack thereof when he just thought that it was you know whatever just stuff he didn't know yet but we then cut back to the diner. This episode has some, you know, other episodes had very fast cuts. This episode takes the cake. But we are back in the diner and not a whole bunch happens in this other than a couple fantastic lines from the tick. And I'm going to say one of them for my favorite line at the end. Okay. And <laughs> I wrote down two and I think right here I decided I want to keep one of them. But. The big thing that I took out of this scene is Batman Wells reading the newspaper and he is pissed because the weasel made it to the front page for stopping a jewelry robbery. And he's like, well, I could stop a jewelry robbery all anytime I want, and they never put me in the paper. And CL's like, when's the last time you stopped a bank robbery or a jewelry robbery? And he's like, I could do whatever I wanted to. But he's all pissed off, and that comes back later. Uh, that's a C story. There's a couple of weird stories going on in this one. Um, but I, I don't think there was much as far as story in this other than... Arthur relaying just how clueless the tick was at the DMV and the tick basically saying, I, yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. So uh, you're correct. Most of this scene was honestly like just continuing parts of the story and some pretty good dialogue. So I will, I will avoid the dialogue knowing you have a couple lines here. Um, Cause yeah. that is most of what I wrote down on this scene. You're, you're correct. It's a lot of just good dialogue. Um, I don't know. If you mentioned, you probably did, and I just uh, glanced over it, that Batman well, the, the superhero Batman well is upset about is the weasel. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and actually, Captain Liberty, just to clarify, is not in this scene. It is Arthur who um, oh. who says, uh, when's the last time you stopped You're a right. jewel robbery? And he says, well, never, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, because we find out right after this where CL is. Yes. I know I keep saying CL, but I mess up every time I say try to say Captain Liberty. I try to say Captain Justice, and I write CL in my notes because it gets really daunting writing Captain Liberty every time she's in a scene. So if people were confused, that's why. <laughs> Did you know that the Bible warns about lazy people wasting time? So CL's at the dry cleaners. Pretty mundane thing. We see her in her civvies walking in and basically asking for her superhero suit from the dry cleaner and he's like we don't have it here and she's 
like you don't have it here does that mean you lost it and the guy's getting madder he's like we don't lose things here maybe you took it to the wrong place and she's about to go off on him when mr handsome walks in yeah wait no there's something before that there's another superhero in there with her yes so when she when captain liberty walks in we're witnessing another female superhero pick up her dry cleaning they briefly commiserate over the uh, the dating pool for female superheroes, Captain Liberty. Which I thought was a great point. I wrote that down. I had four lines of things just about this conversation between these two superheroes, and I was looking at my notes and completely went right by them. But yeah, I loved that. The, I never thought about it, but dating as a superhero would suck because all the other superheroes are mostly dumb or evil villains, and the civilians would be terrified to date you. So who are you going to date? <laughs> I never thought about it, but it's a really good point. Right, right. So this was this was the setup for the the shopkeeper, um, dry cleaner, whatever you want to call him's reaction um, is that she says something along the lines of, like you said, they're muscle bound egomaniacs um, or they're average civilians afraid that the supers will use a ray to shrink their Johnson. What are our options, you know? I mean, who is out there? A bunch of muscle-bound mutants and egomaniacs that think just because they can bend steel, we're supposed to bend over. <laughs> and then the civilians, well, they're scared we're gonna zap them with a ray and shrink their Johnson. Yes. Um, you don't hear that, you don't hear penises refer to Johnsons too much anymore. So that was a, that was a throwback. Yep, that was definitely a, that was definitely a joke at the time. Um, made me think immediately of Austin Powers, in fact. But yeah, the, you can see, after Captain Liberty says this, you can see the shop owner has a, you know, a sh kind of shocked look on his face. And uh, and at that point, you know, then she goes to pick up her dry cleaning, like you said. While she's waiting, the handsome stranger approaches and um, they start to try to just make flirtatious small talk. Captain Liberty's upset when the man comes back unable to find her garments. And we know that his reaction is, you know, somewhat reasonable fear because she's a superhero and just made a comment about mm -hmm. the Johnson that this this random this Linden this random guy you know he has no idea about any of this um and he actually intervenes and because he's bewildered by the man's reaction the handsome man does the handsome man intervenes. yes yes the handsome man intervenes because he's bewildered by this dry cleaner's reaction and he's like just call her when you find it like this isn't that hard and then Captain Liberty goes to leave, charmed by the man, and he asks her to dinner. Let me ask you a question, and be honest. Do I make you horny, baby? I don't have the exact wording down, but I did write that it was a very smooth way of asking her out. I was like, okay, you got some moves. I don't have the exact line either, um, but it was something along the lines of, you wasn't like you have other outfits? Yes, because like, do you have any other thing like else to wear. Yeah, do you have other clothes? Because the way he says it, and this happened both times I watched it, it sounds like he says, do you wear leather? And <laughs> I was like, whoa, that is a... <laughs> so I did not, I did yeah, not so hear that. I'll admit I did not hear that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he asked if you have other clothes and then something along, and she says, yes, I think. And then he's like, good, I wanted to make sure you had something to wear to the dinner I was about to ask you to, or something like that. Right. I did write down, because I was half awake the first time I watched this, that the, I thought it was funny that the dry cleaner has lost her super suit. And I don't know what joke I was going for there, but I thought I would mention it. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't have anything, but I wish I did. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I didn't watch it twice last time, and I think it showed. I felt afterwards, I was like, man, I got a lot of things wrong. So this time I went back to watching it twice. Weird, weird sidebar. How long does it take you to watch these episodes, g- given the fact that we're taking notes? It's like an hour. <laughs> it takes me a very long time. Yeah, same. So I, I, I think I probably spend... These are about 20-minute episodes, and I think I probably spend about um, two hours per episode. Yeah, I think it's well. This time I did something different. I think I'm gonna do this going forward. I did the long, slow note taking, pausing every thirty seconds note taking the first time, and the second time I only paused it like one time because I wanted to repeat dialogue. I was like, I'm not pausing it. I'm just reviewing the notes and adding anything that I missed or like you know vibes because I was pausing it so much I missed. I and I'm glad I did it that way. I think that's what I'm gonna do it in the future. Or maybe I'll try it in reverse where I'll watch it once and take very quick notes and not pause it and then do more in-depth notes. I don't know, play around with it, but I liked it better this time. So actually what I've started doing is I watch it once and take no notes, and then mm. I watch it again, pausing it frequently, taking constant notes, and actually editing some of the audio as I go. Hmm. Now are you naked while doing this? Not usually. Okay, so maybe that could also be skewing why we're having issues, because <laughs> we're naked when we're talking about it. Perhaps, perhaps we're not, you know, we're not quite in the right um, frame of pants. Our Johnsons aren't out. Right. You gotta watch TV with your Johnson out sometimes. Sometimes. But I digress. We go back to the diner slash bar, and I think this place is interesting, because depending on how they shoot it, it looks more like a diner versus a bar, but it's the same location each time. And Batman Wells is there by himself. He is on the phone trying to find a PR agent from the Weasel so that he can be, get in the paper. And there's not much else. It's a very short scene. Yeah, yeah, no. The the scenes basically starts with Batman Well tearing down the Weasel for using a PR agent and saying, if you do not know who Batman Well is, then you do not deserve to know, to immediately pivoting to... So how much does one of these things cost? And he starts taking notes. That was a pretty good Batman well. Thank you. Uh, We then cut to the police station and the tick walks in and says a line that I just thought would be like, this is, I was like, this is an Austin line. Basically, I don't have it written down because I swore you would, that about the smell of the place and how it stinks of crime and urine and piss. And he loves it. So I, and... I, I, I almost wrote it down. I actually didn't. Um, it, it was <laughs> it was something along the lines of uh, vomit, urine, cheap perfume, and vermin fecal matter, I believe. I think so. And how that is the it's it's uh, what does he say? It's it's an ambrosia to his olfactory senses, and it's the. The, the cream, I want to say creamy stench of justice. You just can't shower off, something like that. Oh, do you smell that, Arthur? Urine, vomit, stale coffee, cheap perfume, vermin, fecal matter. Sweet ambrosia to my old factory senses. It's the stink of justice that you just can't shower off. Now, my question with this was, does he love it because it's the smell of justice getting served, or does he love it because he's a tick? That's, and those are things ticks love. That's a good question. He would certainly 
provoke you to believe um, it is the, the former, but uh, you make a point with the latter. This would be a good sidebar for a, a conversation I want to have about the tick, but we've already gone on, I think, too long with this episode. I'll save it for another day, but just so you guys know, I've got some thoughts about the tick that need a long conversation. Here but, for it. Yes, about him physically. But we, the tick walks up to the front desk of the police station, and he says, I want to report a missing person myself and he says it just like that like all intense like myself and then we get flash cuts of him getting a mugshot for some reason i i mean i get getting a picture taken but why a mugshot yeah he's getting dental Mm x-rays a cotton swab and then arthur and the tick are posting super creepy pictures of the tick all over town asking if people know about him and also milk jugs which i I don't know if that's how that works with missing people, but I was more so impressed with it. But the one thing I thought was hilarious with this, because Arthur starts doing like a monologue over the top, like, we didn't know where the tick came from, but we were doing everything we could. But the music drop underneath it is like, it's almost note for note, the opening music to Serial, the podcast. Like, it threw me for a loop because he's doing this, like, crime monologue over it. And it was the funniest thing is, like, they predicted it, like, 20 years before that show came out. (laughs) Weird. Weird. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have to put a drop of it in in there. You can cut me saying that out. It's hilarious. I don't know. Do you you, have you listened to Serial? I have listened to Serial. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The piano, like, do, do, do. Like it's it's that underneath it, um, which I just thought was hilarious. I had to pause it because I was like laughing. It's one of the few times I laughed out loud in this episode. It go, wasn't even a joke they were trying to make. I'll have to go back and listen to that because I, I didn't I didn't make the connection, but I'm interested. But that's what happens there. It end the scene ends with them back at Arthur's apartment, looking worn out, and the tick is watching Sesame Street, sees Grover, and calls him Daddy. And then the scene ends, and I am so confused. So, first of all, <laughs> yeah the the montage the montage ends with Arthur wrapping up his narration, and he's at this point questioning: Is the tick lying, hiding something, an amnesiac, or actually crazy? And it's at this moment, this exact moment, when he wraps up this thought that the tick sees Grover from Sesame Street on the TV. And it's the, are you my mama? Like, he's like, daddy? Was he an amnesiac or just plain nuts? Daddy. And you know what? I don't even think they're trying to make the joke, but I thought it was really funny because there's been a few, we haven't said it, but there's been a few times where they've made the joke offhand that the tick may not be even from Earth. And it's so, isn't Grover, like, canonically an alien? I believe that is correct. So I don't know if they were meaning to make that joke, but it's also perfect. That's true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And I, I believe that that movie that that places Grover as an alien, if I'm not mistaken, I could be, would have come out by this time. It would be close. It would be around the same time. We get the quickest cut then. It's like a 30 second scene, if that. Mm-hmm. And it's just Captain Liberty getting ready for the date with Mr. Handsome. But did you notice how big her closet is? Her closet's the size of my bedroom. Is she rich? I I did not notice the size of her closet. I 
guess I kind of, I, the way that I saw the shot, and I might be misremembering it, was that the camera was inside of her closet and we were looking out at her in her bedroom, you know, reaching into the closet. So I, I guess it didn't. That's what it looked like to be the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched it, I really paused it and looked at it. It's all closet. The room's just huge. Huh. I know. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice that. Um, I didn't make that connection, but but yeah, the the really the only point of this is to see that Captain Liberty is getting ready for her date and that she is choosing plain clothes. Yes, um, we don't even see what she picks. Uh, we are then back to the talk. Tick is the tick is talking to himself in the mirror. He tells that Arthur that he remembers nothing, and I think that's more of a blanket statement about himself than just the situation or both. Yeah, I I I liked um I like I like that delivery a lot. Uh it for for me it felt like it felt like the tick was this was the first glimpse of the tick actually maybe going crazy. Yeah. Because he's he's mimicking himself in the mirror but in an increasingly antagonizing manner. <laughs> um and to and it just abruptly ends with him turning to Arthur and being like, who am I? And and yeah, Arthur's like, you really don't remember anything? And yeah, the tick says, I remember nothing. Does that count? <laughs> it is at that point that the phone rings and they leave. They walk into the police station and there is a cute woman there and says, yes, officer, that's my husband pointing at the tick. And the tick says, she's pointing at me. And then everyone has surprise eyes to the camera and we cut for commercial. And I only say that because this is, I think the first time in four episodes that I noticed a cut for commercial in the episode. Like they really did it for dramatic suspense. And I was like, that's weird. I don't remember any other point thinking like, Oh, that's the cut to commercial. Interesting. I, but, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make that connection, but I get that. I definitely know that from other shows where I've been like that. That's mm-hmm. the commercial cut. Like, so we cut back. Did you want to say anything else about that opening thing or move on? Um, I feel like I've talked a lot this episode, so you can take the reins if you want, sir. So, okay, so we're at the police station, right? Correct. All right. No, I'm in a bathtub. Well, my bathtub may or may not be in a police station. So, yeah, she, this woman calls the tick Ted Glick. And and I, I liked this, I like this line here. They kind of, they're getting, they get back together. Um, Arthur's kind of staying to the side witnessing this. She says that she's been worried to death. And the tick says, Worried to death, oh, you poor zombie. That's no way to die. I had that noted as one of my favorites, but I don't think it would have won for the episode, so I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I just, it's, <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think it won for my favorite either. I don't, I... I... Now, there is a line later on in this same conversation that may win okay. for me. Okay, okay. He's just going along with it. He is like, cool, this is my wife. I'm Ted Glick. Yes. And... And Arthur's like, what, what's going on? And the tick's like, maybe. I, he's like, I'm living a double life, apparently. I hit it in the best place possible. From myself, maybe I'm living three lives. Or the record, according to him, is a quadruple life. Um, yep. So he's kind of playing like he knows what's happening, but at the same time, just not at all. And I thought that was a fun choice that we're like, it, make, it made me question for a second, like, does he actually know this woman and has been, like, hiding it? Like, a little part of his history. I believe he is as stupid as he's been seeming, but maybe he was actually hiding this. I wasn't sure, um, so, and I thought that was fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad 
I'm glad that you felt that way because that I, I didn't feel that way watching it. My my personal perspective on it was simply that, you know, he's he's the tick and he doesn't know who he is. That's been the whole you know point of this episode. So mm-hmm. he has someone telling him who he is and he's like, well, yeah, I, I, I must be that. She knows this, so it must be true. Like, so he's just doing what he, he's playing the role. Mm-hmm. He's becoming the role that he thinks he's supposed to be now. Unquestioningly. Exactly. So, but that does make Arthur feel that the tick was purposefully hiding this from him and he's getting upset. So the fact that you had that reaction is, is very validating and is the reaction that Arthur was having to it. See, I don't even agree with that. Um, but before we go on to the next, where we get in more into Arthur, there was a really weird poster in the police station. Did you notice this? I did not. There was a poster behind the tick that just has a cop standing in, like a, uh, just a man standing in a room and in really bright, bold letters, it says, not all our cops wear the same uniforms. And it's just the weirdest thing. Like, that's not a joke. Like, what is that? <laughs> I, what does that mean? I, yeah, I, I, I really, I don't, I have no idea what to do with that. Um, <laughs> That's what I was like. I was trying to grasp at, at something they were going for. It was just, abs- just uh, maybe they're just the, their, their brand of absurdism, and I love it. So, I, I, I w- but Arthur gets pissed, and I don't understand why. Even if he was hiding from him, why does it matter? I do not understand why Arthur was as mad as he is. It's like it's. It's bizarre how mad Arthur gets. He's like throwing shit around his apartment, like screaming at the mirror. Like what? In, I was so like, I had like whiplash. I'm like, I get being like frustrated with like just the situation and dealing with the tick being dumb. But like th- there was no reason for him to be as angry as he is. So before we get to that, there was a little bit of build up to that. Just so everyone knows, because this is this is the point where I went Oh hey, we have profanity again. The when oh, I miss this when Arthur accuses in the police station when Arthur accuses the Tick of having a double life, the Tick responds that we know of. Who knows who else will come out of the woodwork and tell me who I am? I could be leading a quadruple life. That'd be the record, as you said. And Arthur responds, "You bastard." Oh, I did hear that. Um, I didn't even make the connection. The Tick thinks he's talking to uh, the his wife and says there's no way to talk to a lady. Arthur's like, I'm talking to you. And Arthur says, then you were hiding it from me. And the Tick says that I just, I hid it in a place where I, I forgot. And then the, the he says, uh, Arthur says this is like bigamy. This is the line. Oh, my God. This is like big of me. And the tick says, it's not like it is big of you. <laughs> and I thought that was such good wordplay. But so I, I like that. I, I agree. I love that wordplay. It was a fantastic delivery. But this the whole rest of the scene really just builds up how upset Arthur is. While the tick. But why? The tick stays unbelievably oblivious. Like there is. There is nothing getting through for the rest of this. It is only Arthur. The only point is Arthur being upset and the tick having good lines that show he knows nothing. I don't, I'm on the tick side on this. There's no reason for Arthur to be this angry. I was just confused. Then, you know, we, he leaves and says, don't forget, even though I'm Ted, you're still Arthur. 
Arthur's in his apartment. He's angry. He's upset, as you're saying. He's yelling at the mirror. He pulls a Polaroid of him and the tick off his corkboard and tosses it aside. And again, quick cut, we're at the diner. And Batman well has some glossy 8x10s of himself, and he's on the phone again. He does a literal spit take when he hears the cost of the PR agent, which I thought was fun. You don't see those too much anymore. And then Arthur shows up in his civvies. So we're seeing lots of people outside of their costume. The costume's not the right word. Her, their uniforms? No, costume's um, right. Okay, their costume this episode. And he at first is confused. He's like, uh, this seat's taken. And Arthur's like, uh, it's me, dude. And he lets him you know, sit down. And then Batman Well wants to show him, in his words, some really hot photos of himself. Would you like to see some uh, really hot photos of me? Uh, no. Which I thought was fun to have that kind of confidence in yourself, man. And he, Arthur's like, no, I don't want to see those. And then Batman Well goes on to say there's nothing wrong with being aroused by around other men, which I thought was very forward thinking for Batman Well. He's really coming along for me in the last couple episodes. Fair enough. And then CL shows up in her civvies, and Batman Will calls her Janet. Did we know until this point that that was her name? Uh, yes. Okay, we did. I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) But she is now seeing Handsome Man. But Handsome Man doesn't know that she's a superhero still. Yes, this is correct. During the course of this, Arthur is trying to talk to Batman well about, um, you know, how he's feeling about the whole tick thing. And this was great. Batman well is showing him absolutely zero attention. He told it. Well, I thought it was funny. He was like, so Arthur's telling Batman well this, like, what's going on in his life. And Batman well's like, wait, can you hold on a second? And starts dying on the phone. And then he's like mad at Arthur for stopping. He's like, you can go on. And it was like, the first time I didn't catch it, but I was like, wait, he literally told him he could has to hold on for a second. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, hold on a second. And he's like, oh, no, continue. I multitask. Like, it was... <laughs> Batman so, will multitasks. So, um, <laughs> so Ar- yeah, Arthur's trying to talk to him about how he's feeling about the whole tick situation. I, he has none of Batman Well's attention. And then, yes, uh, Janet CL shows up and Batman Well... After she shows up and sits down, Arthur starts to, you know, talk again and Batman well immediately cuts him off and tells him to leave so he and Janet can have a private conversation (laughs) about the next time they'll be boning. (laughs) And she's like, it is going to be a very short conversation because it's never happening. And that's when she divulges that she's um, she's seeing someone um, and then also that this person uh, doesn't know that she's a superhero and Batman well makes a comment about um, that being a problem when this man finds out who wears the cape in the relationship. <laughs> so maybe not completely forward thinking. Uh, I think she she kind of retorts like, hey, not everyone thinks like that. And Batman well is like, well, I do. And she's like, well, there's a good thing there's only one of you, I think is the line she says. Yeah, um, it's, it's something like that. <laughs> they're just, they're bickering and um, Arthur walks off. And then he's trying to get his accounting job back. But why? I'm still so confused about what's going on with Arthur. Like, he can still be a superhero. We just determined in the last episode that he's not a sidekick. He can still be a superhero. He can hang out with Batman well and CL. Like, he's going off the rails more than the Tick ever has. It's so bizarre. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a fragile young man. 
But but yeah, really, really quick scene there. He's either at the accounting office or he's in an unemployment office. I'm not 100% sure. Um, he says he loves accounting. It's an accounting job. I was Okay, I wasn't sure if he was just like at an agency trying to get another accounting job. Oh, or, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, so he's he's basically just trying to convince both them and himself that this was all just, a, you know, a, a big frantic, feverish mistake and um, his passion is really accounting and that really does fulfill his life and whatever. Again, very quick scene and then we are at uh, the Glick home, we'll say. Uh, no, they're, they're, it starts out with them looking at photographs. Yes, vacation of photos. Their vacations. This, the tick is always in a superhero costume. Yep. In all of these pictures. And she's asking him if he remembers any of this. She asks him, do you remember our trip to the Grand Canyon? And he says... I remember vaguely making the Grand Canyon. Was that the same trip? I wrote that down. I really enjoyed that line. It was so good. And then she asks him, "Do you?" Here's us as the Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower, and he's like, "I fell." And she's like, "No, the Eiffel Tower." He's like, "Oh, you fell." <laughs> some, some more good wordplay. Yep. He leaves thinking that she fell um, on that trip, and also that uh, that he battled the faces of Mount Rushmore. Yes, I did not write that one down, but that is something that is mentioned. He is then tossing the world's largest salad. Yep, there's where your salad comes back. He does ask though, he does ask if he can go on patrol. He really wants to go on patrol. He does. He very much wants to go on patrol. Uh, but she's like, no, 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 uh, not right now. And he's like, what about after I finish doing this before dinner? And she's like, we're about to eat. You can't go on patrol. We're about to go just sit down. And then they cut to after dinner. And this is the world's largest dinner for two people I think I have ever seen. Did you did you notice how much food was on this table? It was it was quite the feast. So both plates have huge steaks on them with mashed potatoes and salad. There is also a basket full of rolls, a separate plate with an entire roast on it, and then an entire other loaf of bread. Tighten that slab of beef, Bobby. <laughs> it's, it's quite, it's, it's a smorgasbord. It, it is a smorgasbord. Um, I think the tick would appreciate it being called that. He has not eaten much though, because he wants to go on patrol. He gets really mad. He he does, yeah. She, she mentions that he hasn't uh, touched his dinner and he's like, I know I haven't. Like, I want to go on patrol, basically. And then she she says, but what about dessert? And his response is is fantastic. What about dessert? Josephette, woman, crime is my dessert. Dessert. Crime is my dessert. I love the taste of crime, especially after his description of the smell of justice with, you know, the vermin fecal matter and urine and cheap perfume and whatever. Yes. I'm sure his Johnson is very hard thinking about that. I mean, same. Um, so, so, so then we cut to Captain Liberty's date. Uh, her and Han- With Mr. Hottie. Yeah, her and Handsome Stranger, who never gets a goddamn name, yep. are walking down the street, I, I think into an alley that is... It's the door of her apartment. Yeah, it's down this the alley. back of her building. And then she invites him up, as George would say, for coffee. Right, right. Coffee's not coffee. Coffee is sex. Uh, but they get mugged. There is a man there who is trying to mug them, and she beats the shit out of him. 
Yeah. The- and then apologizes for some reason. I was so confused again at this scene. She's like, sorry. Like, for what? If I was a dude on a date and this happened, I'd be like, fuck yes, thank you. <laughs> well, this was 2001. And, and yes, yeah, Captain Liberty, like you said, she's inviting him for coffee. A mugger threatens them. And the man is obviously scared. He's cooperating. Handsome man, not the mugger. Right, right. The, the handsome man is scared and he's cooperating. And Seagal's just like, no, fuck this, basically. And she starts, like, berating the guy, the mugger, not the handsome guy. Before That would be funny, though. It, it would be. Get into some humiliation porn. That's a separate hard drive. <laughs> that one's full. So full. Uh, so, she, yeah, she disarms him and calls him a loser as he runs off. And the guy is just pretty much in shock. I mean, to, to be fair, probably emasculated if we're assuming the general 2001 means of thinking. Regardless. I mean, we're not in the 50s, Austin. This was 2001. Yeah, it was 2001. Like, it it was the 50s of its own time. Is that what people say about the aughts? That it was the 50s of its own time? That's what I'm going to say now. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying that that's what should be the feeling or the takeaway there, but it's not to say that many men wouldn't feel that way. And Stupid men. Aside from that... I, she is pretty, like, aggressive as a woman. I don't know. If I was him, I would think, I'd be like, let's go up your apartment as fast as you can get because that was, it's on. Fair enough. But maybe that's just something I got to deal with. That's hot. Uh, do you have to deal with that or do you just have to date a superhero? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we cut to Arthur's apartment. He's watching TV alone in the middle of the night, still in his work clothes watching Sesame Street, and I want to know... Why is that on in the middle of the night? That's what I wrote down. Why Why was Sesame Street on in the middle of the night on cable? <laughs> I, yeah, I got, I, what channel is he watching? Give them to me. What dark desires does he have? All of them. That's hot. Oh, dear. But then the weirdest thing happens. He just says, the tick, and gets up and leaves. Again, why? The Arthur is losing his mind. See, I... I it, it took some, you know, it took reading into it, but I took that as he realized the tick wasn't lying because previously he had seen him react so genuinely to Grover and like just not knowing that he was like, no, there's something going on. He's there, there's they, there's something going on. Okay, I guess I could see that. I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with Arthur? He's the crazy one. That's fair. We cut to him in his moth outfit. He's in an elevator and he runs into CL, who is now also in her costume. They are at her place and apparently Captain Handsome did not come up for coffee, which is a shame. Coffee's not coffee. Coffee is sex. Sure. I guess. I guess if he was that shitty, then she should have invited him up. It's what it is. What it is. She is having a bit of a lonely night, but Arthur's up there not to not to help with the loneliness, but to get her help with getting the tick back. Yes. So they use the National Superhero Info Center. I didn't even see that. That's hilarious. I know they were going through something online, but that's funny. Uh, to find out that Mrs. Glick is actually. Sybil Silum, and she has a history of bribery, forgery of official documents, mail fraud, wire fraud, indecent exposure, 
and failure to curb dog. I, I also thought it was interesting. I don't know if it's intentional or the connection they were trying to make, but Sybil Silum sounds a lot like psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. Mm. It sounds like they were trying to make a joke there, so I bet you're right. So at this point, we go to Sybil Silum's house where the tick is leaving a note while Sybil sleeps, explaining he will have left because they want different things. For instance, he wants yes. to go on patrol and she wants to have dessert. <laughs> What a simple man. I love it. Leaving this note, he's interrupted by a knock at the door. It's Arthur and CL um, who've come to tell him the truth and get him out of there. The tick is at first like, let me go grab my things. And he's like, wait, I don't have any things. And he's like, wait, there's one last thing I have to do. And he goes back and signs and finishes the letter, which I thought was so sweet. Like, that's such a nice thing to do. Like, he's I, th I think I mentioned it earlier in this episode but I think we really see in this episode that even though there's nothing going on in that head, what is going on is he's just a good guy. I like through and through. I completely agree. That was my final note about the scene as well is that he actually, he, he finished the entire note, what he wanted to say mm -hmm. before being interrupted by this knock, but he does return to the bedroom to finish the note by adding simply love tick. Even after knowing this. Yeah. But yeah, then we cut to a rooftop. And we find out that the tick was once called Puna Boat Pony, and I fucking knew it. He worked on a ship. I said this in the last episode. I was so happy. <laughs> there, there was, I called it. There was, in fact, a Tuna Boat Tony line. I called it. <laughs> I want to know that long story, as he says. I'm not, I'm not Arthur. I'm not going crazy. I knew there was something naval going on with the tick. I was so happy when they said that. There, there were a lot of references. Tick or Ted or Tuna Boat Tony. Who? Long story. Uh, but he is, he's just kind of rambling on, you know, about his life. And Batman Well and CL are there. And he calls Batman Well something like the night. What is, his, what is his words? Did you write it down? Um, um, I didn't. They played off like it's some really crazy thing to say. He's like, oh, you fine dark bird of the sky. And and Batman was like, see, what, what are we dealing with here? But it was like one of the least weird things he's ever said. Yeah, so it I was. Thought, I think they could have done better. It was like the something night of the nocturne. Oh, bless your perceptions, you shiny night of the nocturne. See, this is what that means. What the hell is he talking Just about? Just go on. Fine. And then they're like, well, we can't, you know, I'm glad this all worked out, but we still can't do anything if you don't get a license. Yes. And that's when Batman well suggests, just lie. Yeah, he says, the only way to really know the truth, you must create it yourself. And Captain Limby says, how do you do that? He says, lie. And then we cut to the Tick has a superhero license with his name being IP Daily, which is great. It's so corny that it's past the line of being dumb and back into being hilarious. Right. Apparently, he weighs 260 pounds. It is a class two license. I want to know more about this class system with the superheroes. Is one better or is higher number better? I don't know. Either way, the tick is not is somewhere in the middle. It says the it says the address as well, but there was no funny joke there. I think they missed an opportunity there. Cops accept it. They call him Mr. Daly. He's like, call me IP. And they walk away from a crime scene. 
they then pass a newspaper, like those quarter bins where you put a quarter in to get a newspaper that you used to see. I feel like you still see them sometimes and not as often, but he pulls a newspaper out. Batman, Batman well does to, yep. to see if he's in the paper. He's flipping through it, getting madder and madder. And then he, his picture is there for funny photo of the day, which that's the best they could come up with. There were so many jokes they could have made. I mean, that was so dumb. <laughs> that wasn't to the point of being back to being funny. It was just dumb. <laughs> I, I, I agree, but I do feel like it may be the most insulting thing for him. Just because it's so on the nose. Right. That's true. He is a very vain man. But the tick thinks it's pretty cool. Yeah, and right. then we cut to credits and we no longer have credit scene or talking like we did in the last episode. See, they're still figuring out what to do. Yep, they, they don't know. <laughs> that was the episode. So, Austin, did you like it? I did. I did like this episode. Like you said, it was a different vibe. Arthur was fairly manic, but the tick had just some great dialogue throughout that took no one anywhere except into more frustration and insanity. And I just, that's, that's what I want. I loved this episode. I think it was the least funny episode we have seen so far, but from a vibe standpoint, this is my favorite one so far we've seen. I don't, I couldn't even put my finger on why. Maybe it it felt the most coherent, like from beginning to end could be mm-hmm. it. Sure. Maybe it was the way they shot it differently slightly. Like I mentioned in the beginning, it was more gritty a little, just a slightly, but it just felt smoother. It felt like a real TV show that should be on TV in a way that the other episodes have felt like rough drafts. Sure. I really, really like this episode. Like it might be my favorite episode so far, even though I laughed the least compared to the other episodes on a whole. But I really hope the rest of the season continues what this episode did, whatever it was. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm. I, I did like the vibe of it. it. It was different. There are things I liked about some of the other episodes and the vibe that they had as well. But I'm, I'm curious to see where they continue to go because it does keep. It does seem to be ever changing still at mm. the moment. Yeah, I didn't really have any other. F- final thoughts other than that I like how they're keeping the characters mostly still just really good people um there wasn't like a deep heavy you know undertone of any kind like the last two episodes have had in a good way Mm -hmm. the other two episodes I mean those episodes did it in a good way this episode didn't have any like overarching theme like those uh but it was still they, they were all good people trying to do good things other than and I think it was more the writers than what the character would have done with Captain Liberty apologizing for beating up the robber, like I mentioned. I hope she grows more of a, as a character because I think she's grown the least out of everybody. I like how they're developing Batman well a lot, and I hope it continues for him and the other characters, obviously. Yeah, and I, I again, I think that Captain Liberty simply apologized because she turned around to realize that his reaction was exactly what Batman well warned her about. True. Because at least Batman well was like, I understand other men would not feel that way, but I would. So at at least he knows himself, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know, it may not be the healthiest of choices, but he he owns it. He recognizes it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I like I said, this one didn't have any like deep things I wanted to talk about or anything like the others. I just really like this episode. The whole time I was like, I don't know what it is. I'm just digging this so much, like so hard. And I, I really hope it continues that way. And I mean, most shows are like that. I mean, we're only on episode four. 
Right. Like the fact that it's as good as it is at this point is a miracle. Most shows are horrible their entire first season. Did you find a line of justice? As I was thinking it would should be called in my head while I was trying to find one. A line of justice? Is that what we're calling our favorite line now? I don't know. We can I I that's I I I was trying to think of some fun things. I can say mine, we already said one of them. Okay. Uh, was the one about that's that's bigamy, and he's like, it is big of you. The other one was when they're back at the diner after the DMV. The tick says, Arthur, I am a citizen of the moment. I've built my white picket fence around the now with a commanding view of the soon to be. Perfect, just distillation of a good tick line. <laughs> I yes, he, I I also had that line. I like that line a lot. Did did we say the other one he says in this scene? I don't think we did. You can read it if you want. Uh, we didn't. I believe I know the one that you're talking about, though. I have it right in front of me. If you want me to say it. So if if I'm not mistaken, you're referring to the one where this is the first time uh, that Batman well suggests perhaps the tick is from outer space, and the tick responds. Does it really matter? Does it really anti-matter? Have you checked the local loony bin? That is not at all the line I was thinking. <laughs> no. Which one? Okay, so it, it was it was this okay, so was this the same scene then as the Silver Ladle of Justice? Yes, that's it. Okay. So I am the sterling silver ladle of justice, pouring its foamy cream over the just-picked strawberries of crime. Tick! That won't fit on the application. <laughs> I really like that one, too, but I think I like the citizen of the moment line a little bit better. Yeah, I, I liked those two lines a lot. Obviously, I, I pulled them out. I think if I had to pick a favorite, like I said, it was down to the um, That's Bigamy. That is awfully big of you. Um, or Arthur, I'm a citizen of the moment. I'm going to go with the citizen of the moment line is my favorite line from the whole episode. Okay. Okay. I'm putting my foot down. I'm admittedly between two. I am stuck between. You really don't remember anything? I remember nothing. Does that count? <laughs> I just. I really liked that. I liked the delivery. I liked how, you know, nothing was a thing to him. And the other yeah, one, that's true. the other one is, is the one that I mentioned before. Worried to death. Oh, you poor zombie. That's no way to die. Like it's so quick. It's, it's, it's so thrown away, but it's such a mm -hmm. great literal response. I, did, I wrote that one down too. That was a great one. Yeah, and I considered the Arthur and uh, what was her name at the DMV sitting in a tree? Thelma, yeah. Thelma and Arthur sitting in a tree, P-I-Z-G-R-O-B. I'm confused. Yep, yeah, I have that one as well. Well, I picked a tie for, I think, the first two episodes, so I think you can have those two. Do you want to hear what episode season one, episode five of The Tick is called in its description on Crackle, where you can watch this at home? Suck it to me. It is Arthur Needs Space. Arthur's chances at dating an old high school classmate are jeopardized by The Tick. Captain Liberty struggles to stop some nude photographs of her from being published. 
I'm a little scared of how you did say this is 2001, as you said. I'm worried how they're going to deal with that. There may be some questionable choices in next week's episode. Absolutely. Also, what happened to the the, the lady from the other episode that was interested in Arthur? Right. I want more of that. Right. I thought that she drew it. Well, I guess he never actually got her number. She did draw a picture of him, though. That's that's true. I did not. I remember. I made a note that I saw no number on that drawing. <laughs> So that will be that will be next week's episode, and I am looking forward to it as always. Absolutely, nudes and high school crushes. Yep, and hopefully warmer baths. This bathwater has gotten a bit chilly, and something has happened to me that has not happened the other times we recorded this. I have gotten pruny. The prune of tomorrow available now. I'm surprised it hasn't happened in the other episodes, but I am so wrinkly right now. So it did happen to me in at least one of the other episodes. It, it's not happening to me currently. My bathwater has also cooled, and it is a, a nice Kool-Aid blue color because of my bath bomb. Oh, yeah. Mine didn't change colors. I was hoping for some nice, um, some nice Christmas colors because it was a Christmas bath bomb. That's a bummer. Christmas in, in June. But yeah, until next week. I, I know I usually have a sign-off line, but this time to all our listeners, I just want to say, go take a bath. You deserve it. Life's hard out there, and that's an easy way you can take a little time for yourself. You know, get in a bath, get warm. You, you don't even have to listen to this. I hope you listen to this while you're in the bath. Oh, that's a weird thing to say. You can listen to this while you're in the bath. <laughs> Please bring me in the bath with you. Yeah, if you can find us, you can. That's an option, I I suppose. <laughs> Until then, Austin, I will talk to you hopefully before then, but if not, I guess I'll talk to you then. <laughs> you know, we'll figure it out. You, yep, yes, we will. And our streak of awkward endings continue. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>